you know, creating and fixing cultures is not like a one and done activity. Mm-hmm. Organizational culture, corporate culture, this is an activity and a mindset that CEOs need to be thinking about every moment in their role as a leader. It's not like I'm going to hire a consultant and I'm going to build my culture or I'm going to hire a consultant, I'm going to fix my culture. Culture is the living, breathing entity. It is the oxygen of an organization. And that's how it needs to be perceived. Today on the podcast, we have Marissa Levin. Um, She is the co-founder and managing partner of Successful Culture International. Um, She's also the author of a book called Built to Scale, which is all about intentionally building your board of advisors, um, which I think is an important topic, uh, especially for new entrepreneurs. And um, she just really brings a lot of value in terms of uh, talking about intentionally building culture and what she's seen with organizations. Um, So let's jump right into the interview with Marissa. Hey, Marissa, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to see you. Yeah, I am excited to talk to you because you have a lot going on over there at Successful Culture International. So today's guest is Marissa Levin, rhymes with heaven, as you were uh, (laughs) stating before the interview. Uh, (laughs) I'm a writer. Uh, I'm all about alliteration. That's right. That's right. Um, And I guess that that is a perfect segue to the first plug of the the interview. We'll we'll talk about your book, Built to Scale. Uh, We could talk about that a little bit later, but um, yeah, I wanted to, to give a little shout out there. Hey, I, you know, Marissa, you know, normally I, normally I ask people like how they got into this business because we, I interview a lot of coaches and Mm -hmm. consultants and people that like yourself. Um, But one thing I want to start the interview with was what is one thing that you believe about culture that maybe most people in your line of work do not believe? That's a great question. And I have a super simple answer. So Every organization has a culture, whether it's intentional or by default. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter how big you are. Uh, It doesn't matter if it's a, um, if you're having difficulty in your organization, those difficulties are a reflection of your culture. It just means that you probably haven't been intentional about it. In fact, uh, Tony Robbins had me on his show a couple years ago. And the reason that he had me on his show to talk about how to build a culture that is transformative is he had read an interview um, with me in Entrepreneur Magazine, and that was what my interview focus was, was that every organization has a culture, whether it's intentional or by default, and it's really critical to create an intentional culture. Otherwise, you're going to constantly be in a, you know, firefighting mode, a reactive mode, and you're not really going to be able to grow the organization that you want. So that, I know you asked me for one thing, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is that, you know, creating and fixing cultures is not like a one and done activity. Mm-hmm. Organizational culture, corporate culture, this is an activity and a mindset that CEOs need to be thinking about every moment in their role as a leader. It's not like I'm going to hire a consultant and I'm going to build my culture or I'm going to hire a consultant, I'm going to fix my culture. Culture is the living, breathing entity. It is the oxygen of an organization, and that's how it needs to be perceived. Mm. That's that's a good point. Um, people often think that they don't have a culture until they create it, but that's, there's something already created there. You know, like it's already there. 
It's already but, there. But wouldn't the natural response then be, so talk about intentionality around creating the culture because my, my then response might be, well, if the culture is just a result of what you do or, you know, kind of what, I think there's the phrase like culture is what you tolerate is the worst behavior you tolerate or something like that. But if you said, well, it's culture is just what you are. It's a natural outflow of who you are. So can you change it? I mean, talk, talk about that because is it a natural outflow of the, of the wiring of the leaders or? It is, but you have to be aware. And it's funny you bring this up because I, you know, one of our, our programs in our successful culture, advanced leadership education Academy, we have an Academy called scale and it's the scale Academy and it's, you know, all leadership education. One of the first modules up front is uh, a module on the Johari window, which is a framework for understanding self-awareness. The most important foundation of leadership is awareness of self because we can't lead others without understanding who we are. And so when someone is starting a company or running a company, if they come in and they're inheriting a company, which often that happens, knowing who you are and what your core value system is and what your personal mission in the world is, that's going to drive the rest of the culture. And when we first, when we just started this interview, you know, you, you said to me, I usually like to start off by asking people, you know, how did they get into this business of coaching and how they get where they are? My first business is a company called Information Experts, and that is 26 years old. And I started that at, uh, you know, 26 years ago. And I grew that uh, until about $15 million in revenue and 75 people. And then I exited that uh, about seven and a half years ago. And part of the reason that I left my own business behind and launched something else is because my government client, we were primarily government, and my government client had changed what their core value system is regarding what they wanted their vendors to produce. So when I started my company and got into government, they valued uh, relationships, innovation, high value, transformation, um, thought leadership, and then, and then a somewhere along the way, before I left, you know, a couple years before I left, they shifted their value system to only valuing lowest price. Mm. So they shifted from valuing high value and, and, and relationships and transformation to valuing only the lowest price bidder and transactions. And because I knew myself, I was at a psychological crossroads really, because yeah. I had built this amazing culture and I had built a company on certain values. And here my largest customer basically told me, we're not really interested in what you were. Mm -hmm. This is what we need you to be. And you know what? Those values didn't fit who I was. And so I became, basically, I became the wrong leader for my business because I wasn't willing to compromise my core values of impact, transformation, high value. I was never going to be a lowest price vendor. So I had to put my own succession plan in place and leave my own company, everything that I had like given everything to, you know, for so many years. And I had yeah. to walk away from my own company and start over because my core value system didn't align with my customer's value system and they weren't changing. So this is what I mean about the importance of self-awareness and leadership. And 
when we start a company, even back then, I mean, that was 26 years ago. So I was like 26 years old, right? Mm -hmm. I was an undergraduate degree English major with a concentration in Shakespeare. And I come from a consulting firm. I didn't know culture, like culture, the idea of culture wasn't talked about back then, the way it's thrown around now. But I did know that I wanted to create an environment where people love to work and felt safe and could be themselves and could explore innovation, but also had accountability and had work-life balance. Like I knew what I wanted and I knew what I didn't want. And that's what I grew my first company on was knowing mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I think one thing I was going to ask you about that is about um, how the game changed or you're, you were then forced into a situation where it was counter to what your core beliefs or skill sets mm -hmm. or, or you know, your yeah. wiring. I was at an event recently where they pulled the audience um, around these, they asked several questions and then you had a composite score and it, 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 it revealed where you were on this like, like risk averse, you know, spectrum. Mm -hmm. And and but when the speaker then was talking about if you're more than like certain points away from your natural wiring in your position, mm -hmm. you're going to have issues. And the reason I bring that up is because I'm curious, um, you shared that story and the clients you work with, what do you find that they are operating outside of either what, how they're wired or how does that play into some of the clients that you're working with? Maybe people that go through the scale Academy yeah. Um, do you find that that's, that's a sticking point or that's, that's something they're dealing with that you help them get over? So, um, when we work with clients in the, in SCI and successful culture international, we will only work with clients. Like people will say to us, well, who's your target client? Our target client is a leader who believes in the investment of their people and in the investment of their culture. So it could be a very small company, but they're willing to highly invest in it. That's going to be more of our client than a really large company who has money to burn, but they're not valuing culture. So we really only will work with companies. We don't want to do sales. Like we, we don't sell, you know, companies come to us because they've got problems. They have pain, yeah. They're losing really good people. They've got morale issues. Their top line or bottom line is suffering. People come to us because they know that they, they want to improve something that's impeding them from going from current state to desired state. We really don't sell. So yeah. I don't want to have to convince somebody that they should invest in their people or culture. That's just, that's uh, not, you know, that's not the, the market that we're in. So our clients come to us and they're definitely aligned in our belief system. Now, getting down to the CEO level, you asked about whether or not, you know, they're operating kind of like away from their wiring. My job, and I'm, you know, where my sweet is from, uh, sweet spot is when it comes to coaching, is I only work with the C-level, like with the CEO, because look, that's what I've been. I've been an entrepreneur. I've, mm -hmm. I've built a business for the last 25 years. I know how CEOs are wired. And I'm in love with my client. And we want to make sure that we are in love with our client every day. So there's nothing that brings me more gratification than helping CEOs identify where they get stuck, how they are their own bottlenecks, and help them get out of their own way. And yeah, they do come to us. And sometimes they're 
level of professional unhappiness does have to do with the fact that somehow they've lost sight of who they are or you know they're going through a difficult time where they um, can't figure out how to get back to their core value system and that is the definitely the work that I love to do with CEOs yeah yeah I think uh, I would say that that is probably from from what I've seen like sometimes mm-hmm. a symptom of growth like they've, they've grown past that and then they mm-hmm. have not intentionally grown so then you have these like growing pains which manifest themselves and the culture is not what they align with what their core values are Mm -hmm. Um, and then subsequent, you know, turnover, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about the built to scale book. Um, we spoke a little bit about that before the interview, but explain to me what that is, because you talked about how to, you know, it's the only book, um, around how to build, you know, advisor advisory board. So can you, can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think that's a really important topic. It's huge. It's crazy. It, it took on a life of its own. So in my first company, when I was building information experts, and you know, I always like to tell the younger entrepreneurs that I coach and mentor that building your first, first company is like building a plane while you're flying it. Like you literally are building it piece by piece while you're going 100 miles an hour or 500 miles an hour. And you're figuring it out as you go along. And so when I was building information experts, you know, we had gotten it to a certain point and the, and we were successful, but it was literally like the wild, wild west in my company. Like we weren't, we didn't have enough processes. We didn't have the right processes. We had multiple people doing things their way. And I was out to breakfast with one of my mentors at the time. And he said to me, well, why don't you build an advisory board, you know, to bring in advisors to help you? And I was like, what's an advisory board? And this is going back probably eight or nine years ago. And he said, basically, it's a hand-selected group of advisors that you pick according to what your company needs to help you get to the next level. So I went out and I did research on advisory boards, and I realized there was a lot of information that you, that leaders should have advisory boards but there was nothing out there on how to actually build a process, like how to find them. So I spent a year documenting my own process on how I hand selected advisors according to what we call the holes and goals of an organization. And make, again, getting back to intentionality, right? Not just picking an advisor because you meet them at an awards event event and you go, he's really cool and he's super successful. Will you be on my advisory board? Because then you get this guy and you you have no idea how to leverage him. You don't know if he actually fits with your culture. You know, you don't know, uh, you don't know how you're going to fit him into your organizational growth. So what you want to do, and that's why I called the uh, model scale, select, compensate, associate, leverage, evaluate, evolve, and exit. My whole first chapter is about how do you intentionally and strategically select the right advisors, getting them around the table. And there's a whole process to do that. There's, I mean, a dozen different uh, selection criteria and factors that you have to look at before you go through the process of actually vetting them. So Mm -hmm. once you do that, 
then there's a whole process in how you actually onboard them, both from a legal perspective, as well as how you integrate them into your company. There's a whole communication strategy, change management strategy. Then there's the you know, questions about compensation. Do you give them equity? Do you give them stock? Do you give them cash? If so, how much do you pay them? These were all answers that I gathered when I was building the book and I interviewed 150 other business owners and their experiences are also in there too. And then how do you leverage your advisors and how do you, you know, how do you evolve your board or, and evaluate your board members to know whether or not you should roll them off. And if you're going to roll them off, how do you do that in a way that keeps the door open? So the whole model is literally the only end to end model. It's patented, it's trademarked. And now CEOs, you know, leaders hire us to help them build their advisory boards. Um, because this isn't something that a CEO wants to add to his plate on things to do. They'd rather outsource to someone who's an expert. So it's a great, uh, it's a really, really useful and important tool in a CEO's toolbox. And it's a great value add that we provide that differentiates us. And we also certify other coaches who want, who coach CEOs that want to add this uh, skill set, we will train them and work alongside them so they can bring this model to their clients. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking, I think that's a, one of the things I, is amazing, I want to say, because as a young entrepreneur myself, it's like, I definitely see that need for mm -hmm. intentionality because oftentimes it goes, oh yeah, I kind of like this person. They're successful. I met them in a networking thing or something. And maybe you have a couple drinks and yeah. you meet, meet with, meet them with them for coffee or something. You're like, then you're like, yeah, they kind of maybe don't even formally. They're like, they're just kind of become this advisor, this person that you go to, but you don't, you, you don't consider what, what struck me when you were talking was the collateral damage to culture. If those are the wrong people, right? It's like, it's yeah. the holes and goals because those people have your ear either one of two things is going to happen. They're going to encourage you in your natural state, I would assume. And like I said, this is just me thinking out loud. Or in some cases where I've had in the past where they give you advice that's actually counter to either your strengths or your core values. And then you, you, you trust them and you think that they have good advice. So you start operating in that space and that, that mode or that strategy. And then you either get burned out or... There's all this collateral things that happen. Um, so yeah, it's really perfect. fascinating. You're right, because you know if you have the wrong advisor at the table, the best case scenario is that you're taking up a seat and they're doing nothing. They're adding no value, nothing, right? But the worst case scenario is that they're actually causing harm. And it does happen a lot. Now, regarding the cultural fit, one of the things that we do when we help clients identify what they need from an advisor is to think about how much and how deeply do you want this advisor integrated into your firm. So some advisors only want to work with the CEO and they really don't want to be involved in the business. Other advisors are more than happy to mentor other employees like, you know, the second level down or the third level down, or they will happily go to networking events and you've given them cards and they are networking on behalf of your company. So that's always great. Or they want to be involved with like going to your holiday parties, your all hands meetings. It really, you have to know like how deeply do you want your advisor to actually be integrated 
into your organization? How often are you going to want to talk to them in between meetings? Do you want them doing mentoring? Do you want them representing you in the marketplace? And then when you interview your candidates, these are questions that you have to ask on the board search document because you might want someone really deep into the mentorship of your people, but you might meet an advisor and they're only interested in working with the C-level. And even if everything else looks good on paper, if that's a disconnect, it's not going to work. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's part of the selection criteria that most CEOs, unless they're following our model, they don't even think about. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's a huge need in the marketplace. Um, so would you say that's, um, where does that fit in kind of some of the work you're doing now? I mean, you guys wrote that book. Um, yeah, I wrote your, the book. I wrote yeah. the book five years ago. Yeah. So is that still, is that a, what other needs are you helping um, your clients with um, beyond that? You know, like what, tell me a little bit more about some of the things that you're helping your clients with. Um, so that. Successful Culture International, we have a whole uh, culture development life cycle, as you're aware of. And um, it's a five-phased model. And again, as I mentioned, culture, you know, is not a one and done initiative. Like, come on, help me build my culture, and then we're done. Mm -hmm. What we do, though, is we have these five phases. And, at, you know, the, you can implement the whole model. You, can, you might only have a need for a certain portion of it. But these are the main building blocks of building a great culture. And so... Our first phase, foundation creation, is all about defining the organization where we help you build your values, your mission, your vision, identify the core behaviors behind the values, build your strategic plan. You cannot build a company without those things. Then we help an organization shape, the, you know, sh we help shape the organization. And we do that by doing uh, organizational assessments, culture assessments, leadership assessments, really figuring out and getting the voice of the employees and the leadership team about what's working and what's not working. And from there, we will build communication strategies to start opening up those dialogues. So those are the two first phases of the culture development life cycle. And that, that really helps us to create strong two-way uh, communication, really build a culture of trust and transparency and honesty. And then once we've got the culture kind of humming um, along the way, then uh, we also help with talent management in terms of fueling the organization to ensure that we're attracting the right people into the company, usually by re-engineering their entire hiring process so that it's culturally driven rather than just position driven or expertise driven. Um, then we also provide uh, talent development where we do the leadership coaching. Like, the, you know, I work with the C-levels, which is where my comfort level is. My partner, Jen, my co-founder, uh, she is a rock star at working with like the upper level leadership as well as mid-level management because she brings a lot of Fortune 500 experience. So she came up through the ranks of Accenture, um, Freddie Mac, uh, Anderson Consulting. I never was in those large companies, so I don't really know how to navigate the political landscapes. So we really cover the gamut of the C-suite as well as the mid-level group. And then, you know, for the advisory board building, that's a way in which we can help the leaders build their communities. So we do group facilitation, we do retreat facilitation, we help uh, identify advisors. So that's kind of like what our model is. But again, it's not like it's a finite model. I mean, culture is a never ending, constantly uh, 
you know, uh, constantly iterative process as the organization grows. Yeah. And I, I, I think that is, and I don't, you'd probably agree, but it, it, that's probably a big failure point for most companies. Like they work mm -hmm. with someone like yourself for maybe even a really short time, like yeah. a couple sessions and they're like, okay, we got this culture thing on lockdown. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, and then there's no sustainment. There's no, no work on it after the fact. And it just fizzles yeah. back to the same, same old, same old. Well, you know, I write for Inc. Magazine. And so because I write for Inc., I get bombarded from uh, PR firms and publishing companies that uh, have clients that are marketing their books, right? Yeah. I, I probably get three to four books a week. And then I'll get the email and they'll say, would you like a copy of our book? Because they eventually want me to talk about it. Yeah. And I love to see what's out there. So yeah. I always say yes. I, I'm like, sure, send me a free book. <laughs> I got a book. Um, I got a book a couple weeks ago. And I don't even know the author's name. And I certainly would never want to say it. But it was called something like Culture Fix. And as soon as I saw the title, I'm like, mm, nope. Like, because their whole message was, Here's how you fix the culture. Here's the playbook on how you fix the culture. And it's not, there's no end game when it comes to culture. Mm -hmm. There's no yeah. end. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for your time. I really appreciated it. I think it was really valuable, Marissa. Thank awesome. You. It was so yeah. fun to be here. And we'll um, link up a lot of that stuff, you know, in the show notes. Um, and they can find you, everyone can find you on LinkedIn, Marissa Levin, L-E-V-I-N. Yes. Um, also at builttoscale.info. And also successfulculture.com. Yep, successfulculture.com. Um, and, and you have a podcast. So, and we have the podcast, yes. the culture podcast. So if yes. you go to successfulculture.com, you can download and subscribe to our, uh, the culture podcast. That's what it's called. And you can look at our, our culture development life cycle. You can check out our 14 modules and our scale Academy. And we also have uh, you know, a Facebook page for our company as well as a LinkedIn page. So we are very intentional about sharing valuable information with our newsletter list through the podcast, you know, mm -hmm. through our social media presence. So we encourage you guys, if you liked what you heard today, you know, sign up for our newsletter, sign up for our podcast, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and connect with me personally on LinkedIn. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Again, thank you so much for being on, Marissa. My pleasure. This podcast is proudly produced by Waypoint. What is Waypoint? Well, if you want to coach your team and not manage them, then Waypoint is worth checking out. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more or email me directly, mike at waypointhq.com, and I'll demo it for you myself. Thanks for listening.